This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we'll be chatting with Matt George from Locked On Kings. The Sacramento Kings have won 40 games for the first time since 2006. Just how good has Mike Brown been as the head coach and changing the culture in Sacramento in just under one full NBA season? Then we chat with Matt Moore from Locked On Nuggets as the Denver Nuggets are on a three-game skid. Is it symptomatic of a deeper defensive issue? And why has the MVP discussion been especially turbulent this season as Nikola Jokic looks to three-peat? Lastly, we chat with Cyrus Satsas from Locked On Warriors as the Golden State Warriors just got Steph Curry back after an 11-game absence. How has he looked since returning to the court? And why is Golden State struggling so much to win on the road? As always, we do appreciate you for making Locked on NBA your first listen each and every day, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Kings, Matt George. You can find wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Kings, Matt. The Sacramento Kings, first time winning 40 games since the 2005-2006 NBA season. They are currently sitting at number two in the Western Conference, 8-1 and one in their last nine games. Just Let's just start with right there, Matt. I mean, what, what does seeing this team hit 40 wins mean for Kings fans, mean to you, mean to the city, all, all of the above? Well, for many of us, this is uncharted territory. You have to understand there are people in Sacramento that are legally driving that have never seen the Sacramento Kings win 40 games before, which is pretty crazy. I know for me, last time the Kings won this many games, I was 12 years old. I've been covering uh, the Sacramento Kings for the last eight, nine years professionally. Uh, of course, grew up a diehard fan of the team. I've been uh, hosting Locked on Kings podcasts for the last six years. This is uncharted territory for me, covering a team that's this good at this point in the season. Normally, we're diving deep into draft coverage, looking forward to March Madness and counting down the days till baseball season at this point in time. So it's been just an incredible dream run. But now it's crazy how expectations start to shift. Because if I had told myself that the Kings would be in the two seed and have a chance at a home court advantage in the opening round of the playoffs, regardless of the result, I would have been thrilled. But now at this point, okay, if the Kings do secure home court advantage, which I expect them to, I believe this is a top four seed. Now it goes from, okay, we're just happy to make the playoffs to, hey, maybe the Sacramento Kings should be expected to make it out of the first round, of course, depending upon their opponent. Now, there's a world where the Sacramento Kings do get home court advantage 
and they get the defending champion Golden State Warriors who are only an hour and a half down the road. So maybe that advantage disappears a little bit. That's just one scenario here. Uh, but regardless, for the Sacramento Kings to be in a position where they're clearly going to make the playoffs is just incredible. The fan base, uh, I mean, is just trying to enjoy every moment. So many, I mean, the Sacramento fan base has always been extremely loyal to a T. But there is the greater Sacramento community that is also starting to re-tap in and who has checked out over the last 16 years. And it's hard to blame them for checking out. They're starting to get back in. The Golden One Center is popping off every single night. Uh, it is, I mean, overflow uh, flow crowds of over 18,000 people and that building can only sit like 17,600. So it's been an incredible atmosphere. It's been fun and really the thing that I try to emphasize the most on Locked on Kings more than anything else, as much as we might have expectations and want the Kings to make the most out of this opportunity, it's just enjoy the ride, right? You mentioned the Kings being eight and one since the all-star break. Just enjoy the ride. They've won against really, really good teams, including in Phoenix the other night. And I know they were without Kevin Durant, but the Kings have already lost to the Suns without Kevin Durant twice this season. So it's a it's a good win. They are winning games in many, many different ways. De'Aaron Fox is playing like a superstar. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis is an absolute phenom here in Sacramento as well. So just if anything else, enjoy the ride. And that's what we're trying to do here. Enjoy the ride, an important motto. Also, light the beam, another very, very important Absolutely. motto for all Sacramento Kings fans. Now, Matt, you shared a clip the other day that, that did go viral, and it was a post-game, some post-game footage that you titled 77 Seconds of Accountability from Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown that we want to run back here, and then I want your thoughts on exactly what Mike Brown had to say about this Kings team despite a win against the New York Knicks. I mean, you could tell I'm a little frustrated. It's a great win. You take wins at this time of the, of the year, but that's not how we need to, that's not how we should be playing basketball, which you guys saw tonight. I am not happy with our performance at all, except for the fact that we got the win. Somehow, some way, we have to be better throughout the course of the ball game. I'm going to put pressure on Domas and Foxy. They have to hold themselves to an elite level on every possession. But just as importantly, they got to open their mouths and hold their teammates to a high standard because that ain't going to fly. Give the Knicks a lot of credit. Good ball club. Tibbs has done a heck of a job with them. They're physical. They try to play the game the right way. You feel them throughout the course of the game. We're taking this win, but we got to be better. And it starts with Domas and Foxy. They got to open their mouths and they got to challenge their teammates to perform each possession at an elite level. But they have to do it themselves on both ends of the floor. Okay, Matt, so it really some kind of impassioned words from head coach Mike Brown. I mean, what, so kind of what was, you know, the catalyst for Mike Brown's being so frustrated despite this win and how have Sabonis and Fox kind of responded to Mike Brown in the aftermath of this? Well, Brown has established really, really quickly here in Sacramento that he can publicly or privately call these guys out and they're going to respond to him in a positive way. Uh, and, and I mean, that takes a incredible reputation, but it also takes a, a ton of trust that he and his coaching staff have established with this locker room and vice versa. You know, I give De'Aaron Fox a lot of credit. I give everybody on the team a lot of credit, but De'Aaron Fox, especially because Fox is this 
superstar now here in, and who's been here in Sacramento, who has had far too many coaches than anybody should have for the first six or so years of your career. And this guy comes in and starts holding you accountable. And it's De'Aaron's response to this has been, no, this is what I want. I've wanted to be coached. I haven't had this yet. And this is what I need. And he's responded to it. Uh, and this entire team has responded to it. But um, I mean, Mike is coaching this team to win a championship. Now that sounds absurd to anybody who's followed the Sacramento Kings or thinks Sacramento Kings and championship. And usually the only time you're using that in a sentence is if the word not going to win is in between those two, right? But Mike Brown is coaching this team like they're going to be a champion. Uh, and why shouldn't they feel that way with being the second seed in the Western Conference? Now, hey, Kings Homer, biggest Kings honk on the planet here, over here happily saying, I don't expect the Sacramento Kings team to win a championship. I don't. But that doesn't mean I don't want the team to feel that way. And they should feel like they belong, especially with how they performed all season long. And look, Mike Brown is not only coming from an amazing, uh, his amazing experience in Cleveland with LeBron and, and working under Greg Popovich, who you hear a lot of Greg Popovich in that Mike Brown clip. I mean, coming from the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr, where he spent the last eight or so years of his career coaching champions. He knows what it takes to win. And he's coming here to win right away, regardless of the fact that Sacramento Kings have been uh, synonymous with losing for so long. So that's how he coaches his guys. That's how he holds them accountable. Now, this particular game, the Kings won on national television over the New York Knicks. The Kings were absolutely abused on the glass, abused in this game. I think the Knicks had upwards of like 20-something offensive rebounds, and the Kings got lucky to win this game with how easily the Knicks were having it uh, on the offensive glass. I think Josh Hart had eight offensive rebounds alone, 14 rebounds of the game. Uh, so he was not happy and not okay with his performance because these are hustle plays and these are things that he knows his team can control. Mike always focuses on things that the Kings can control. You can't control the, the officials and the refs against you. You can't always control the shot going in as much as you want it to, but you can control boxing out and making the hustle and effort plays that it takes to win basketball games consistently. And the Kings weren't doing that. Now, they still found a way to win, credit to them, but he knows, and we're learning here in Sacramento, that that kind of effort, even in a win at home over on national television against a good New York Knicks team, that's not going to fly in the playoffs because you give up 20-plus offensive rebounds in the playoffs, you're probably losing by 20. Got to control the controllables, and you've also got to, you know, even if a championship isn't necessarily a likely outcome for the season, you want to build those championship tendencies, right? And that's that's what Mike Brown is establishing in Sacramento. Matt, before we get you out of here, I'm going to give you a fill-in-the-blank to close out this segment, all right? You ready? I'm ready. Mike Brown should be Coach of the Year because... He has done what... I don't know the exact number. I want to say the number is 11. He has done what 11 other head coaches couldn't do. He has done what nobody has been able to do since Rick Adelman back in 2006, which is completely turn this team and in reality turn this franchise around. There are not a lot of coaches in this league that could do what Mike Brown has done here in Sacramento. Now, he will immediately divert the credit to his players, to his coaching staff, to the Kings front office, and everybody deserves a little piece of the credit. But Mike Brown came in here, and from day one, he started talking about the culture of this organization and that this organization has a soul and everybody needs to buy in. Well, everybody has followed that leadership and has bought in. He literally has a contract that is signed by the entire team. A copy of it is in the locker room, and a copy of it is in the practice facility saying, I am going to give my all 100% regardless of my role. Regardless of the situation, I'm going to give my all to what we're trying to do here. 
everybody signed it. Everybody's following it. He's established that culture and he's brought a team that has not even been able to make the play in to the second seed in the Western conference. I don't, there aren't too many other coaches in the league that could have done that. How else has Mike Brown changed the culture in Sacramento? Is he the favorite for the NBA's coach of the year award? How many more times will Sacramento light the beam between now and the end of the season? You'll have us covered for all that and more over at locked on Kings. Matt, I appreciate you stopping by locked on NBA with me. Always a pleasure, my friend. We'll see you. We'll see the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals next year. <laughs> Coming up, the Denver Nuggets are the one seed still in the Western Conference, but they're on a three-game slide. Is it symptomatic of a deeper defensive issue? They're giving up 122.3 points per contest. Plus, why has the MVP discussion been especially turbulent this season as Nikola Jokic looks to three-peat? We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, how about Nikola Jokic to have more than 26.5 points? What about Giannis Antetokounmpo to have less than 9.5 rebounds? Or maybe Darren Fox to have more than 6.5 assists? How about Steph Curry to have more than 3.5 three-pointers made? So... What is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections that are made available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL. They've got you covered on all of your action. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They're safe. They offer incredibly fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states. States and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA, as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day. Free and available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Nuggets, Matt Moore. You can follow wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Nuggets. And Matt, they're, look, the Nuggets are still at the top of the Western Conference standings, but they just lost three games in a row giving up an average of 122.3 points per contest, which would be on par equal to what the San Antonio Spurs give up on average this season, which is the worst mark in the NBA. So some defensive woes here over these last few games for the Nuggets. What, what is the main reason or reasons for the sudden three-game slide here as of late? I think it's impossible to look at how the Nuggets played prior to winning the Grizzlies game and how they have played since. So they won the Grizzlies game uh, about a week ago, about nine days ago, that essentially secured the one seed. The Grizzlies aren't going to catch them. The Kings are still unlikely to catch them. They're up four in the loss column. It's just pretty much done. The Nuggets could be the one seed. And so the Nuggets downshifted. Like, okay, we got it. We can kind of coast on out of here. Unfortunately, the downshifted a little too much. And in they doing so, a they years. <laughs> they were at the beginning of the season, which this is what's really interesting is they were the 28th in defense on December 7th. They lost the Mavericks at home. They then go three months where they basically they lose once at home the entire time and they have a top 10 defense. Then they secure basically the ones with the win over the over the Grizzlies. And since they've lost twice at home, 
three straight, and they're back to being a bottom five defense. Um, this does lead me to kind of believe that a lot of this is its motivation. That doesn't mean that they can screw around too much because you keep doing this, and all of a sudden the one seed becomes a little bit in question. What you have to kind of ask yourself is, like, which team is real? Is it the team that was in the three months of the regular season in the middle where they played their best basketball? Or is it one of these two teams that they were at the extremes? Basically the same team they were at the beginning of the season. Like, which one is it? And if you come to the conclusion, well, no, they're just frauds. They just played well for a couple of months there. That's fine. But that's like basically where you come out here. Uh, Nikola Jokic essentially has stopped playing at the level. He's playing in a lot of drop coverages. He does that when he's downshifting. You do that and you're going to get torched defensively. He played much better in the loss of the Nets. Actually, he played at the level. He's pretty good. He had several, he had three blocks, three blocks, two steals. I think in that game, he was fantastic. But the rest of the defense simply did not execute in terms of perimeter containment. And that caused a lot of these problems. The Nets shot also great. I actually think the Nuggets... Uh, play pretty decent at, at stretches, just not well enough to win. The bench continues to be a tire fire. The addition of Reggie Jackson has been subtraction by addition. Uh, there's a lot of things that have kind of gone into this. If you believe in momentum and you believe that going that playing well late in the season matters going to the playoffs, you should absolutely be selling all of your Denver Nuggets stock. So there was there was the you know viral video of the Spurs shooting. What is it, 19 of 32 against Jokic in one of these three most recent losses? Uh, you you talked about the kind of the breaking points in the season for where the Nuggets were defensively when they started, then the good stretch. So, which one do you subscribe to right now? Do you do you believe that it's that these Nuggets are the the three month stretch where they played really good defensively and can play good, or do you think there is a bigger you know concern here about maybe some of the defensive limitations uh, when downshifting? I think that they have pressure points you can attack. Right. I think if you have the right matchup, like this is not a juggernaut that can cover for anything. That's pretty apparent. Uh, I think that at their best, that this is a pretty good defensive team when they're locked in and engaged. I think they have a lot of pressure points that you can exploit and people will kind of point to Jokic. I will again stress that a lot of this is whether or not Jokic is playing drop coverage or at the level. He has to make that call, whether he's playing at the level or dropping. He has to make that call out of what's he, what he's going to do. If he's in drop, he's toast. He's barbecue chicken. I would also point out that almost every center in the league is that way. This is why in the playoffs, everyone goes small. Is If you, if you play big, you will play drop. And if you play drop, you're probably going to get torched by good guards coming off of screens. The Bucs can do it because they have the best rim protector in the league in, in Brooke Lopez and as far as a drop center goes. Um, the Sixers can do it in stretches. The Nuggets can't do it at all. And so they've got to be able to figure out, like they they have gotten much better at throwing the right combinations. Maybe the upside is over the course of a seven-game series, they'll probably figure out what works and what doesn't. Like beating Denver four times out of seven is a lot harder than beating them on any given night. But on the nights where you beat them, they're going to look terrible defensively because Jokic simply can't play drop. They don't have that in the cupboard. And a lot of their defenders, including Bruce Brown, who is supposed to be a positive this season, struggle with bigger guys. There are pressure points to attack on this Denver defense for sure. The NBA MVP discussion is always a nightmare each and every season as Matt Moore starts just face palming, rubbing his forehead. He's already exhausted before I can even get to my question, but it seems especially turbulent surrounding Nikola Jokic this season, potentially three-peating right now. Why is he or why should he be the favorite in your eyes over guys like Embiid, Giannis, and, and how do you feel about the discourse surrounding the award this season? In particular, as someone that really cares about the award, and I usually write articles that make the case for all of these different players at the end of the season. Um, right now, I will admit that I kind of lean towards Giannis a little bit. I think that he's probably the guy. 
but the case for Jokic is is pretty simple and you don't I mean it's not it doesn't have to be simple we can make it complex but everyone hates the warps and the schmorps so we won't use those we'll just completely be on that the Nuggets win by more when Jokic is on the floor versus their opponent than any of the other candidates do they win by more they beat the opponent more the pro, the point of pro basketball is money the second point of pro basketball is winning how do you define winning outscoring your opponent when you're on the court the Nuggets beat their opponent by more when Jokic is on the floor than when Embiid is on the floor for the Sixers or Giannis is on the floor for the Bucks. The Nuggets beat their opponent by more. They win by more, more consistently. His percentage record is is better. His percentage in terms of the uh, net rating, as far as like how many points are scored, like the net differential is higher. Um, he's clearly, obviously, the focal point. He's the most. He raises his teammates to a higher level than anybody else. He is the most impactful player in the NBA when it comes to winning. And that should be the definition of valuable. That's the case for Nikola Jokic for MVP. Nuggets are currently the one seed, although, you know, the downshifting may come back to bite them in the butt. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But currently one seed, potential MVP favorite Jokic. You're looking at this team and they, you know, they've dealt with some injuries, but they've got everybody, or it looks like they've got everybody healthy, you know, knock on wood. But how much will this postseason run dictate Mike Malone's future in Denver. Where is the bar currently at for a successful postseason? Postseason. I have said this since preseason. This is not sourced. This is not. I've talked to the front office, and this is what they have said. They would clearly not ever say this, but I will tell you that I believe if the Nuggets don't make the NBA Finals, barring injury, Michael Malone probably will not be retained as coach because if they don't make the finals, they've fallen short of the expectation in the one season they were supposed to make the run. Things have gone the way that they needed to. Jokic has played fantastic. They have the offense. They have won all these games. They're incredible at home. All of these things have lined up in their favor. If they do not make the finals, they have to make the, they have to win the conference. If they do not win the conference, what's the easiest thing to flip? It's the same thing as always. The easiest thing in the NBA to replace is the coach. It's easier to do that than make sweeping changes in terms of your roster. So I do believe that probably Michael Malone, like Michael Malone's under an intense amount of pressure. And I'm pretty sure that Malone knows that Malone has been extremely successful with the nuggets. They've gone over their expected win total every season with him, except for the 2020 COVID impacted season. Uh, they've been eliminated in the first round once in the three of the four champion or in three of the four playoff runs, they have been eliminated, but eliminated by the eventual champion. Like the nuggets do not go out easy. And Malone, despite what, what the perception is, has proven to be a coach that makes adjustments in the playoffs to get them past where they, where they would have been otherwise. However, the standard is just impossibly high. If the nuggets do not reach the finals, I will expect that Michael Malone is not retained as coach. Will Nikola Jokic three-peat as the NBA MVP? How deep a postseason run will this Denver Nuggets team be able to make? You'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Nuggets. Matt, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Anytime, man. Take care. Coming up, the Golden State Warriors just got Steph Curry back after an 11-game absence, and then they proceeded to lose the next three games on the road. They finally won one at home against the Milwaukee Bucks, but how has Steph looked since getting back on the court, and why is Golden State struggling so much on the road this season? We're going to get there in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Bill Barr. 
The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff flavor, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know that I'm going to be voting for the Coconut Brownie Chunk, as that is my number one personal favorite Built Bar. It is so delicious. You have a favorite flavor. Support your favorite flavor. Support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built Bars. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built Bar's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try Built Bar, the best protein bar. Seriously, they are so incredible. It's basically a candy bar that is jam-packed with protein. They are all covered in delicious chocolate, low in sugar, high in protein, Seriously, real chocolate, right? You won't even think you're eating a protein bar. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Warriors, Cyrus Satsa, who you can find wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube, of course, by searching Locked On Warriors. And Cyrus, the much-anticipated return of Steph Curry finally happened for the Warriors. He missed 11 straight games due to the knee injury problems, but he's back in the lineup. And, and unfortunately for the Warriors, he like stepped back in the lineup and they immediately lost three games in a row on a little road trip. They finally yeah. picked up a win, though, and at home over overtime dub against the Milwaukee Bucks. So walk me through How has Steph looked since getting back into the lineup, you know, after coming back from the injury? He's looked great in my humble opinion. Like Steph is one of the very few players who, uh, you know, he misses time, but he rarely shows rust. Um, it, it's just testament to just his level of talent compared to everyone else. Uh, you know, you've seen him miss a lot of games and then uh, come back for the playoffs and just immediately resume the level he was at. And, I feel like the same thing happened there. Um, it's just the timing of his return coincided with the Warriors starting a three-game road trip. And the Warriors have been an absolutely awful team on the road this year. And so even with Steph, they still lost uh, all three games of the road swing. And then they come home and sure enough to be the Bucks. So, <laughs> yeah, but, but Steph has been playing fantastic. So, and I'm glad you bring up the, the road woes because we, I, I believe we talked about this at one point earlier this season too, on, yeah. on this yep. very show. And, and, you know, I kind of chalked it up back then to thinking, okay, you know, beginning of the season, maybe some championship hangover, like it hasn't gotten better, Cyrus. Like, and here's, let me throw this at you. Cause this is so funny to look at the Warriors might be the fifth seed in the Western conference. Like, cool. They are the third worst road record in the entire NBA, tied yeah. currently with the Detroit Pistons at 7 and 26. The only two teams worse than the Warriors, the Spurs at 6 and 27 and the Rockets at 6 and 28. Yeah. Shout out to the Rockets, right? So, what why why can't this Warriors team find ways to win on the road? And and they're barely better than the Rockets and the Spurs, right? I mean, like yeah, one win talk, better, one win better. Yeah, let's talk because they're about to go. I mean, they're 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 on a really short homestand right now. They play the Suns tomorrow with who don't have Durant, and then it's a, I think it's a five game swing back on the road, and and that's going to tell a lot. Um, I mean, at the end of that five game set, the Warriors might not even be in the playoffs. 
Um, the, the why of the road woes is is bat it's baffling. There is no like conclusive answer to that. There's nothing empirical. You know, my my belief is that this team changed a lot from last year to this this year when it comes to their bench. They they purged like every veteran. Um, and they did sign to Michael Green. They did sign Dante DiVincenzo, but DiVincenzo himself is still pretty young. And then all the rest of the players coming off the bench are rookies or second-year players. Wiseman's gone, so that's yeah, that's all that's left. And you know, role players struggle on the road. It's just a you know common known thing if you follow basketball. And um, you know, whereas veterans, you know, it doesn't affect them, especially superstar level players. Uh, role type players, you know, having that home crowd behind you versus having an arena of 15, 20,000 people booing you, that does actually affect these human beings. Um, and my, that's my guess, um, because there is no there is no clear cut answer. I mean, they've had a lot of injury issues. Andrew Wiggins is going to miss his 12th game in a row uh, against the Suns and not having him has been huge uh, in terms of being a detriment. But it's weird. It's weird. And I mean, the Rockets could very well, like in two weeks from now, have a better road record than the Warriors. It's crazy. Look, it, it, you know, you you could maybe bet on that via our good friends over at FanDuel. But uh, <laughs> even even it, I, I don't think the smart money would be on the Rockets to win many more games this season <laughs> regardless. So but that, that's besides that's the besides the point here. Look, I, I'm glad you mentioned Andrew Wiggins here because, I, you know, Wiggins is such a key piece of what the Warriors want to try and achieve. He's been missing since February 13th due to a personal issue. Uh, mm-hmm. Right At one point, Steve Kerr talked about, you know, ideally they'd like to have him rejoin the team at some point this season, but it doesn't, I guess it doesn't look like, well, what, what is that situation on? Is it ongoing? Is there, is there a hope that he's going to rejoin the team? Is there any update whatsoever on him? And also uh, Gary Payton, the second, who was, uh, you know, kind of a key contributor for this Warriors team last year during their championship run, they reacquired yeah. him. And he has yet to be able to play a game yet. Uh, there was, you know, some optimism that around, I think, this time we would be getting an answer on whether or not he'd be able to get back on the court. But for a guy who's missed so much of this season already, like, how much optimism should there be about his ability to not only get back on the court and start getting some reps in, but get up to, like, game speed, game shape with less than a month to go in the season? Yeah, it's the Wiggins thing is mind blowing. Um, I just did, you know, I, did, I do another show besides Locked On Warriors, and that's the Rick Barry show. And and I just did an episode with Rick, and I asked him if he'd ever seen anything like this in his, you know, fifty plus years being involved in in the in, in basketball and, and probably closer to sixty. Um, and he said no, he never seen anything like this. Um, Kyrie Irving had an absence of a couple weeks, uh, uh, two three years ago, um, that had some similarities to this, but not the level of mystery. Um, I have heard, uh, and I don't know if this has been reported or not, but I've heard that um, the issue doesn't necessarily involve him directly, uh, and that it's more to do with someone that he knows. Um, now, what that means is anyone's guess. Um, it's it is crazy, and again, it's 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 the secret that the Warriors have kept this in house. Wiggins is a very private person. Um, the players seem to have you know an indication of what's going on. So do the coaches, but. No one knows. It's just a fascinating mystery that still is a mystery. Um, now, Myers and, and Kerr have both uh, indicated that Wiggins will be back and that um, that this isn't going to be a long-term thing, although it feels like it's already been pretty long. I mean, it's been like a month, so um, we'll see. I wish I can give you more answers. Uh, honestly, what I told you is probably more than what anyone else has said, Or, but even that's still a massive mystery. I, I still don't know really um, – I don't think anyone knows really outside the organization what's going on with them. It's crazy. 
And then on on Gary Payton, I mean, it, at this point, oh yeah, like, yeah, he and that's that's another mystery. I mean, you, you know, what's crazy to me, and you tell me if if this is crazy to you. I mean, you're more partial about this than I would be. I mean, if Gary Payton II was still with Portland, I mean, he's apparently still playing. And, you know, and then he goes to the Warriors and now it's like he's got this massive, you know, the, the, uh, abdominal injury. And we have no idea when we're going to see him again. The, the Warriors said they were going to reevaluate him in a month. And that's when they first acquired him in the trade. Um, so that date's coming up soon. But the team has not given specifics in terms of what's going on with that, with that injury. So a lot of us are in the dark um, about his future. Um, the indications are is that he'll be ready to go by the playoffs. What that means, I have no idea. The Warriors have really um, been shrouding this in, in, in terms of ambiguity. So uh, we don't know much about that. But all indications are, best case scenario, they're both backed by the playoffs. That could very easily happen. That's what they've hinted at. But zero specifics from the Warriors and uh, so far no sources from anyone indicating more. So then, Cyrus, I mean, like let's let's look at it, right? So the Warriors, despite a lot of obstacles this season, right? They're, they've had the issues on the road. They have, they've had the inconsistency with the lineups, like all, all this. I, I mean, if you're a Warriors fan, like how confident or, or concerned should you maybe be that this, that this Warriors team feels so drastically different from the one that won the title last year and, and that there might not be this ability to just flip the switch, so to speak, once you make it to the playoffs? Because I feel like maybe that's what a lot of Warriors fans are banking on at this point. Well, and that's what also what Steve Kerr is banking on. Steve Kerr on more than one occasion has said that confidently that he still thinks this team is going to repeat as world champions. He uh, that's that's his belief that this team is just going to flip a switch like that. Um, you know, there is a thought that when when a team has done what they've done in terms of postseason success time and time and again, and, uh, you know, they're they definitely are mentally aware and self-aware of the amount of energy that it takes to get through the two plus months of the postseason. I mean, there's about to be a, a whole new season coming up, but you know, you still have to make the playoffs. Um, the, the, the thinking among the fan base. And I think the thinking among the organization as well as this is that they're very a, a, a cognizant of the fact that they're a horrible road team. One of the worst road teams in the NBA. And that's a huge issue. There's, there are numerous reasons behind that. Um, none of which are specific and none of which are certain. It's just a myriad of things, but there's really no one else, at least in the Western conference that has stepped up and has kind of, you know, emerged as a team that really poses uh, a threat to the warriors there. I mean, certainly, I mean, I know you can argue the nuggets, they're the number one seed, but, um, look that, you know, when these two teams played last year, the warriors didn't have much difficulty beating the nuggets in five games. I know they were a different team with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. And a great bench, but, in the Warriors' mind, that doesn't matter. Um, you know, in, in their minds, when Steph, Clay, and Dre are together um, and healthy, they've never lost. So they do have that confidence. Um, you know, I've said repeatedly this team has like some remnants, some similarities to the to your uh, mid '90s Rockets, the second championship team who finished the regular season as the sixth seed. Um, and they just kind of slip walked through the regular season as well. And they just kind of stepped it up when the postseason started. But um, again, being a six seed requires winning road games. You're not going to have home court for any round and they can't win road games right now. So they're on one hand, it's like they're everyone's very well aware of just how bad this team looks. But but on the other hand, it's just there's no one else that has really stepped up that is that really gives a lot of uh, a concern to this fan base. So there's a lot of. Um, confidence in the fan base and the organization that despite all the bad stuff, 
that they can still magically turn it around. Now, you know, you asked me how they feel, so I'm just telling you how they feel. I I'm not necessarily feeling that way, but um, that the confidence is there. And in all honesty, Jackson, would, would you be surprised if the Warriors repeated as world champs despite all this? And if, if you know, I, I, or would you be? I'm curious. I don't know if I would be because I think I mean I think there's there's yeah. a valid argument there now whether that whether that confidence is misplaced right you know and just the, the idea you, you've got Steph Clay Dre they've done it when they've been healthy why would you doubt that I mean you know maybe that's maybe because talent level in the West is looking good maybe maybe the Nuggets are that you know a, a different team this year there's a lot of reasons to maybe have some doubt but at the same time that trio has proven themselves time and time again over and over again. So why would you doubt it, right? At this point, exactly. maybe maybe they do have a bit of a right to be able to say, you know what, let us just walk into the postseason and then judge us on what we do. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll tell you this, though. Um, I really don't know what the outside perspective is on the Warriors. I hear, like, the national media talking about them sometimes, and 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 my thought sometimes is, wow, like, like it's even for people who are insiders covering this team, we have no idea what's going on. Like, this, this season has just been a massive shrug just a massive nonsensical uh, you know non-directional path and um i'm personally very curious to see what what, what the end result is but um it, there's a lot of craziness going on now it's, and it's important to note though last year uh steph drain clay played a total of 11 minutes together in the regular season before the playoffs started and that did not affect him so um, you know, we see Andrew, Andre Iguodala is playing now, um, and he's getting back into the rotation. He's had more rust than Steph, but he's playing. They're giving him real minutes again, and it's crazy. I'm looking forward to the postseason. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Should the defending <laughs> champion Warriors still be feared out West? Will Wiggins and Peyton rejoin the team in time for the postseason? Of course, y'all have us covered for all that and more over at Locked on Warriors. Cyrus, I appreciate you stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Anytime, man. Thank you. And that's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. <laughs>